0: You've turned on Sexy Marriage Radio, where the best sex is happening in the marriage bed. Here are your hosts, Dr. Corey Allen and Shannon Etheridge. I want to start off this episode of Sexy Marriage Radio just with a quick shout out to all the fathers out there coming up this weekend. Happy Father's Day.
1: That's right. We love our dads.
0: Yes. You play an important role in life and in relationship and in marriage. And so I I just want to say, well done men. Well done fellas on uh, being a, a, a rock, a solid foundation for for your family. Hopefully a protector, a provider, all the different things that we do. Uh, I just want to commend you for, for the role you play in, in family and in community and,
1: and stabilizing society, really. <laughs> I mean, seriously, you think yeah. about the work that men do. I, I remember Emerson Egricks talking about this one time, that men are wired in such a way that it's like, we're men, we die. You know, like they're the ones putting the ladies and the children in the lifeboats while the ship is sinking, because by golly, they're going to go down with the ship if right. that's what's required of them. Right. And and, a, and giving a shout out to those in the military. Yep. Like I cannot imagine. I mean, I know that there are women who do it, but yeah. I cannot imagine the courage that it takes to put yourselves on the front lines of battle like that. But but many men are putting themselves on the front lines of battle in their own home and work Mm -hmm. environment. I mean, men work hard to make sure that there's a roof over the head and food on the table. And we thank you. Thank you. Thank you, gentlemen.
0: And ladies, I just want to give you the encouragement to let your husband know that because that's what, you know, In last week's show, we mentioned the staycation and, the work that's been going on around Casa de Allen with this pool thing going in and I've rebuilt (laughs) the fence and done some retaining walls and all these different things. And at one point I'm working out there and I'm sweating and I'm having a blast. This is just one of those fun things. And Pam walks out and she says, I just want to thank you for the abilities you've got, because that makes me feel safe because you can fix things. You've got, you, you can do things and I love that. And it's like, I love hearing that kind of stuff and I love doing it, but hearing it, it's just one of those, God, oh, that's awesome to hear. Ego so, stroke. Yeah. Ego so just, stroke.
1: But hey, I have to interrupt you, Corey Allen. I'm going to create a new rule. You cannot say the word pool more often than you say feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. No promises. Because it's starting to feel like you're smearing it no in my promises, face. No promises,
0: Shin. And one of these days on the episode, I'll like record it while sitting beside it or maybe even floating in it. And you'll have to just suffer <laughs> through. No. So welcome to Sexy Marriage Radio, where... We do want to hear from you as our listeners, because our this is listener-driven radio a lot of time, that uh, the shows we come up with or topics and ideas that we come up with largely come from our audience, and they send us those at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com in the form of questions, comments, thoughts, hey, ex- explore this a little more, or hey, I don't even agree with what you said about that. Can you explain explain yourself, you know, <laughs> or, or something to that effect? Because this is truly a dialogue and much like sex is a dialogue and it's a language and we want it to be as best and as fantastic as it can possibly be in your marriage. So we want to speak to what ails you, what struggles you and what excites you. And so send us emails, jump on iTunes, spread the word, become a Bed Buddy Club member. With that, you get stickers you get books with, depending on the level you want to help support us. Um, but it's all just things that help us make the marriage bed as hot as can be for you, because that's, mm-hmm. that's what we're doing this for. That's why we do this.
1: Mm-hmm. And you know what? I'm going to go out on a limb here. I, I have not discussed this with you in advance, but if you want to be a part of helping us spread the word about sexy marriage radio, but you don't have the money to become a bed buddy club member You just want the stickers. You just want the postcards. You know what? Send us an email Mm -hmm. and you know, if if you'd be willing to maybe mail us $5 just to cover the postage and the printing or whatever, then it's a one-time thing, but we will send them to you because we want you to be a part of helping us spread the word.
0: Yeah. 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 And just
1: let, yeah. Let us know how many postcards you want. If you got people to pass them out to, we'll send them to you.
0: Yep. Help us spread the word. So this is something we need to, uh, I'm not even, the, the awkward segue. Let's just be obvious about that. <laughs> um,
1: <laughs> well, we're, we're going into the, into the feedback at com archives. There you go. Yeah. That, that works. Uh, Good save. Yeah, when, when I read this particular email, my heart just grieved for this person. Okay. Um, but I realized that there are probably so many of our listeners that probably live in the same camp. Right that you know in in the course of every marriage i don't care who you are in the course of every marriage sometimes there are going to be hard times and sometimes there are going to be dry spells in your sex life mm-hmm. because it ebbs and it flows that's just the nature of it and if it didn't ebb then you wouldn't enjoy and appreciate how it's flowing right. nearly as much you know but uh, this person posed the question could god be punishing us for our former sexual misdeeds Okay. Whether that's with each other, whether that's with other people or whatever. And, you know, I just wanted to explore the topic. What impact is guilt or what impact are you letting guilt have on your sexuality and on your marriage bed? So, um, Because
0: because it's real, isn't it? I mean, it's something we all face in some facet of our life and in some area or dynamic, right? Guilt and shame.
1: Right. And it's an indication that we have a conscience, which is good. We're certainly not advocating that people not have a conscience, but I want to unpack from a theological perspective, this concept of God is punishing us.
0: Okay. But can I, I want to set the foundation real quick of just the whole idea of guilt and shame from a, a biblical concept, because if you look at the, in Genesis in the story of the creation, what was the final the culmination of creation when Moses is writing this all out? What how does he how does he put the cherry on top? He has the scripture in there of they were naked and they they both were naked and they had no shame.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then sin enters the world by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. And now all of a sudden, what happens? They realize they're naked and they feel shame. And they, they start covering themselves. They start hiding. So it's a fall condition. That's what, I mean, so it's shame. We, we constantly hide. We constantly have that component in us of, of some way, shape, or form of right. shame and guilt. And it's only been magnified as man has come along and church and religion and a lot of the other things that are indicting at times, even though that's probably not the intent. When that comes along... That starts to just magnify and, and layer upon layer of, uh, of it to where mm-hmm. it can be debilitating.
1: Sure, sure. A- and also, Corey, I think that it's important theologically to separate guilt and shame. Okay. Because it's two totally different things, Fair but enough. we often lump them in together. Fair enough. Guilt is a feeling that tells you, I've done something wrong and I need to make amends. Okay. That I, I need to make this right. Uh, But shame isn't just I've done something wrong. Shame is I am something wrong, that I've become something wrong. And let's be real. There are people who are guilty who feel no shame. And there are people who feel shame who actually don't have anything to feel guilty about.
0: Right. That's
1: true. So they don't necessarily go hand in hand. So you might want to ask yourself, is this a matter of, of guilt that I've hurt someone, that I've broken some sort of law, that I need to make amends, or is this just... I am feeling bad about myself because mm-hmm. of something that I did or allowed happen. Um, so yeah, let's go back to the, is God punishing us okay. for something that we did before?
0: Right. And so we're keeping this in the context of this is early in the relationship pre-marriage, or this is also as an adolescent or a young adult with other, other people and just your own sexual escapades and boundaries, if you will.
1: I mean, I, I think that it's D all of the above. Yeah. Okay. I mean, let's be real. We are born as sexual creatures. We begin to experiment and explore and play with ourselves or with our playmates. Even, I mean, I can remember before even starting kindergarten, mm-hmm. being out on the air conditioning unit and me and Davy Rogers playing doctor type of a thing. So, you know, it's, we're, we're naturally curious. It doesn't mean we're bad people. We may have felt shame over what we did after we realized that, oh my gosh, I pulled my pants down for that little boy type of thing, but it's it is a natural progression. It's, it's a natural milestone. It's a developmental milestone that every child and some do it sooner and some do it later. But usually before a kid goes off to college, they have had some sort of innocent childhood sexual play experiences, or maybe they became sexually active at a young age, like many of us did. And maybe they became quite promiscuous. I mean, but regardless of what we're dealing with, whether it was innocent childhood sexual play at an early age, or was promiscuity at a later age, the idea that God punishes us for our past does not line up with my theology of God. Right. Um, I remember um, there is a video out there that I would encourage everyone to Google. Um, If you put in um, John Lynch, New Testament gamble, you will, you will watch the the most amazing two to three minutes you have ever seen on the internet. It's all about how God never, ever, ever uses the word punish in relationship to his people. And the reason is, I mean, maybe you're thinking, oh, but look at the Old Testament. He punished people a lot. Yeah, but that was before Christ came and died on the cross and cleansed humanity of all of its sin for all time. You do not see punishment in the New Testament. You see consequences, right? You see people making some choices, when, when we look at Peter and how he denied Jesus three times, very bluntly, very boldly, and the only punishment there was, was Jesus loved him in spite of it. He's asked him three times, do you love me? Do you love me? Do you love me? And then said, I'm going to build my church on your back. You know, it, it, you're going to be the rock that I build the church on. So this notion of God punishes us, that was wiped away when Christ died on the cross Never again in history will we ever, ever, ever need to feel that way because God allows us free will and we make choices and we may reap consequences as a result of those choices, but he does not punish us because that is no longer in God's economy. Okay. Do you agree with that theologically? I, I do.
0: But now what do we do with the consequences of our choices and how right. they will have ramifications in right. life and in and in marriage?
1: Sure. I mean... It, it, As it relates to this particular topic of what it's done to your sex life, um, I remember coaching with a couple years ago, and she was still angry at him 18 years later because she felt as if he stole her virginity before they married, and she had really wanted to be a virgin when she married. And she had just carried that around like bubblegum stuck to her shoe of just this bitterness and resentment toward him. And she felt like she had to marry him once she gave her virginity to him because, you know, that got instilled in the good girl conservative Christian home of, you know, if you sleep with somebody, you got to marry him type of a thing. And I just challenged her. I said, sweetie, did he hold a gun to your head? Because the reality is, is it takes two to tango and he didn't rape her. He didn't. It just... They got each other riled up in the Mm -hmm. backseat of the car and one thing led to another and she let her guard down and she was a full participant. Mm -hmm. She was a full participant. And so once she acknowledged that, yeah, I guess I shouldn't blame him. Then it was, okay, do I blame myself? But then she remembered how naturally it evolved and it was just very organic. It wasn't premeditated. And, and she was like, I guess I should be thankful that I am so turned on by the man that I wound up marrying that I couldn't control myself because we do have a good sex life in our marriage. Now she was able to first forgive herself and then she was able to forgive him Mm -hmm. because let's be real. We can't give to others what we haven't given to ourselves right? So I think that it could be a matter of let's unpack the emotional baggage that was created and look at how this has impacted you and your self-esteem first and foremost, and then look at how it's impacted the relationship. Yep. But the concept of we did something we shouldn't have done before marriage, I, I don't know. I, I think that my feelings on this topic have certainly evolved over the past couple of decades That whole, like like we've talked about it on a show before, the whole don't kiss until the altar, because if you kiss, you might wind up having sex type of thing. I just don't buy that anymore. I think think that there's biological reasons why the kiss is designed to tell you whether or not that would be a good mating partner for you. Because someone whose DNA isn't going to match up with yours is going to smell or taste weird to Mm -hmm. you. That the the, the irresistibility factor, the moth to a flame factor is actually a very good sign that this is going to be a good mating partner for you. Right. So I actually recommend to young people, don't marry somebody that you haven't kissed. You need to at least experience that irresistible attraction to them. And you know what? If that irresistible attraction led you further than you intended to go. So what? You're married now. Let it let it go. Let it go. Well, let that's go. that's the
0: idea of, of of go deeper with it and what is it that that's causing you the turmoil because of what you've done? And that that's a confronting of self. That's a confronting of each other. that it, that's a, you know what? Maybe we could have done better, but we didn't. So it it does lead to learning to forgive self learning to live in grace with self and others. Mm -hmm. We've done shows on forgiveness. If you haven't heard those, go check them out in the archives because they're not too far back, and they're they're some of the best ones we've done. But it's just recognizing that, okay, so I have this baggage, and it's not that it's making it okay. It's just confronting it and recognizing, okay, wait, I'm better now because I see both sides. I see the conscience of, yeah, uh, that wasn't the best choice or may, I wish we would have, or okay. So use that for where you are now to, to bolster something better going forward, to bolster something going on together, to open up new, new avenues, new, new, new possibilities together.
1: Yeah. And how about if you use it as fodder for praise? Oh God, it is amazing to me how your mercies are new every morning, yeah. how you don't even remember that in the backseat of that car when we were teenagers or whatever, uh, that, we really do have to stand in awe at God's unconditional love when we really contemplate how solid and steadfast it is. I just wish that we could be as unconditionally loving with ourselves and with each other. But you know, what would it look like to give yourself the grace to be human? What would it look like to err on the side of grace with yourself and with your partner? I would think that that would lead to some major breakthroughs sexually in your marriage, because I think that guilt is most likely what it reminds me of when we went to test out swim spas, you know, when they first came out where you're in this great big hot tub that's big enough to kind of stretch out in, but they tether you, they put, they put this belt around your waist. And so no matter how fast you swim, you're not going to go anywhere. Right. I I think that's what guilt does to your sex life. There you go. I I think it just tethers you and it keeps you from going where you want to go.
0: So I want to offer up how you, a, a, a way you can confront that in real time. Okay. Because I think there's components of when when you have you're in the midst of a sexual escapade with your partner, and and all of a sudden guilt comes in. And typically, I'm I'm going to assume based on the clients I've got and then my own journey that a lot of times you're you're going to be talking about the guilt and the stuff's going to come up in the beginnings of it. It's gonna it's what it's where you have struggle getting into sex because guilt is a huge libido killer. Right. Shame is a big killer. And I love the delineation of the two, but it's being able to confront that in front of your partner and, and with your spouse of being able to say, hold on, you know, this is just being present with each other. This is the counsel I've done with, with couples where there's been an affair, there's been infidelity and now they're trying to reestablish a relationship that has a different depth and a different presence with each other because that's what they haven't tasted in the first place anyway. So that now we're getting something novel and new that helps them sustain – it makes it sustainable going forward. And some of the best things to do, which takes the most courage, is when sex is happening and you get a you get a guilt thing that comes along, you get a mental image that, that starts to kill it of what's going on, stop and look each other in the eye and just reestablish a present connection
1: mm-hmm. with each
0: other of just I'm here and if you're and if your spouse is willing to just okay I'm here what do we need to do what do you want what helps you now all of a sudden we're moving the pendulum in a different way in a deeper way and guilt's the same thing of I'm just cuz think about it how many times are you in the midst of sex and you and you realize your wife or your husband isn't there because they're they're wrestling with stress or wrestling with guilt or wrestling something, but you just try to power through it. You know, mm-hmm. you just try to bear down through, you know, or <laughs> something. And it's like, hold on. That's a total disconnect of each other. Right. So
1: then it's very agenda driven, not connection driven. Right.
0: So just stop for a moment, turn on the light, open your eyes and just say, Where are you? You know, what's going on? If if you mm-hmm. sense that going on. Or even better yet, share where you are of, I've got this mental image going on. I mean, Pam's really good about we'll be talking and there's kind of the foreplay going on to getting ready for sex. And she's just having trouble letting go of work or letting go of something in her mind. And she'll just say, I'm just not there, babe. Can we try, can we play cards? Can we, can we keep talking? Can we go out in the den? Can we, you know, whatever. And And it's just, all right. It's confronting the, it's confronting the hurdle. And that's, that's how you deal with guilt is you've got to name it, claim it, and then let it go. Right.
1: Yeah. You got to feel it to heal it. Yep. Yep. Just, yeah. I, I like that taking ownership of it. So I was also uh, talking with a couple recently, um, about what stopped her dead in her tracks because he just felt as if he is having sex with an outlet that he is, that she is not present, that she's not into it. She, she is capable. He's like, I've had it before where she's really, you know, full throttle, but that it's so rare. And so it's like, okay, what's actually going on most of the times when you're only half throttle, you know, when you're, when you're only willing to just, spread your legs and kind of let him enter, but you're not willing to open your heart right. and your mind and really get your energies and juices flowing. So there's a big difference between those two different types of sex. And I know that all men out there probably know what I'm talking about because they probably had it both ways and they much prefer the full throttle way. Right. And so she admitted that when she gets aroused, uh, that th- that um, old memories from college come back to haunt her. that she had a sexual experience with another woman in college and that she just felt as if she just couldn't let go of the guilt of it. And so now she's associated this experience, which she considered in her own mind sinful with, but now when I get aroused, I feel sinful too. And it's like, but you're not being sinful. If you're channeling all of that sexual energy into your marriage bed with your husband now, like that was, that was years ago. I mean, this had been following her for over 20 years. It's like, wow! You've let this rob you over and over again. You've let this one one night thing mm-hmm. rob you so many other nights. That's giving something way too much power.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I mean, is there really one day in our history that we could pull out and say, "I am defined by this one day"? <laughs> it, no, that is that is so so cruel. We give other people second chances. Why can't you know? It's like, why can't we forgive ourselves and move on? So here's here's what I explained to her. And I'm glad that we have an opportunity to go here on the show today, Corey, because I know that um, a couple of people are still waving the red flag on their concern about my view on fantasy. And I respect that they may have a different view, and that's fine. But here's, um, you have to look at it through a biological lens, okay, of if a man is going to have a successful sexual experience, what has to take place in his body to prepare him for intercourse, He has to get an erection. There's no way he's going to be able to have a successful experience without an erection. Are we we in full agreement on that? Right. Okay. So he can't have a limp penis and expect anything to happen. So there has to be blood flow to create the erection. What creates the blood flow? The pituitary gland is triggered in his brain that says, take blood flow from the extremities and focus it more on the penis. Well, what causes the pituitary gland to do that? A sexy thought. It's something that he sees or thinks of that triggers the pituitary gland to make it do it. It's magical. You know, the female body is no different. When we were conceived in our mother's wombs, the clitoris and the penis is the same thing. It just takes a certain week of gestation for the Y chromosome to cause that penis to sprout. But the clitoris also has to be engorged with blood before she's going to have a successful sexual experience, before she can get fully aroused, before she can experience orgasm, before she can even find it pleasurable what he's trying to do down there. She has to be engorged. If there's not blood flow, it's about as successful as a man trying to stick his penis into a woman when there's no blood flow there. What triggers her body to send extra blood flow to the clitoris? The pituitary gland. What triggers the pituitary gland? A sexual thought or feeling, translation, of fantasy. That's, and I know that there's, you know, there's a gal in particular who's just so vehemently opposed to the concept of fantasy because it led her a place where she regrets going. But here's where you draw the line. There's a difference between fantasizing about just a scenario, a dynamic, a relational you know, tension that's there or whatever, somebody playing a particular role with you versus projecting that fantasy onto an actual person that exists, right. that you that you run the risk of acting out on if you're not careful. That's where she crossed the line. She didn't cross the line by letting her mind get aroused or, or fantasizing or letting the blood flow go where it's supposed to go to have a successful experience. She crossed the line when she projected it onto a person in particular that she then acted out with. Right. Because to tell women that they can't have a single sexual thought or fantasy, I mean, let's be real. Those two words are interchangeable. A sexual thought is a fantasy. A fantasy is a thought. To say you can't have sexual thoughts basically means you can't get aroused because that's what creates arousal. Okay. And so, and I go back to, I know I've said it on shows before, but. It says in the Bible that Jesus himself was tempted in every way. So that means sexually. So does that mean he had sexual thoughts and feelings? Yes, he did. You can't have a temptation without a thought or feeling. Did he have sexual thoughts and feelings? Well, how in the world was he tempted in every way if he never had a sexual thought or feeling? But he was sinless. So is it possible that sexual thoughts and feelings in and of themselves are sinful? I mean, if Jesus had them, then they obviously aren't. Oh, but only sexual thoughts and feelings about your spouse are okay. Anybody that's not your spouse, that's a sin. Who was Jesus's spouse? He didn't have one. Right. We have to stop beating ourselves up for using the biggest sexual organ that God gave us, and that is the human brain. Right. So throw out the guilt when it comes to your thoughts. And your fantasies and your feelings and just be uber, uber careful where you channel that energy. As long as you're channeling it into your marriage bed and focusing exclusively on your spouse, I would think that that is giving them that full throttle experience that they're craving.
0: Very, yeah. Because it's all about being present. Yes. And it's about sharing and connecting.
1: It's about trusting your partner that you can go full throttle with them without choking or without them choking you. Yeah. That I can trust you with all of my sexual energies, not just a little, not just give you enough to get your sexual release taken care of. It's that I trust you with all of my sexual energies, all of it. Mm -hmm. I can be completely uninhibited, no guilt, no shame, no inhibition in this bedroom with you. That is the gift that every spouse longs to receive from their partner.
0: Yeah. And that's that's how you get to the depths of what marriage and sex can be. And now we're not talking just functional kind of stuff. We're we're talking something beneath it all. We're talking about sharing self with each other.
1: We're talking about passion. We're talking about bonding. Yeah, we're talking about pleasure that exceeds any pleasure that you're going to experience in any other relationship. Um, And I remember, Corey, when you and I went to that Esther Perel conference at SMU, Mm -hmm. and I took the opportunity to pose the question because I greatly admire and respect i I haven't heard her say too much that i don't necessarily agree with but then i'm i haven't paid as close attention to like you have with sharks or whatever but i am a i'm a esther perel fan i admit it Mm -hmm. and so i wanted the opportunity to pose the question what does she think about sexual fantasy Uh, is it is it right is it wrong is it good is it bad is it black is it white is it evil is it holy like what is it and (laughs) When, uh, you know, she gave a response, but then I pushed her on it and said, but I'm talking about like unconventional fantasies. I'm not just talking about fantasizing about being on the beach with your spouse, making love. I'm talking about fantasizing about the things that you would never in a million years actually want to do, even if given the opportunity, because you know better. And (laughs) she laughed and said, wow, I am really in the Bible belt, aren't I? Because I do think that it is a Southern Bible belt kind of notion that Mm -hmm. we let the guilt from even a thought or a fantasy, eat us. It it just, it eats away at our soul and it takes energy away and it, it replaces the energy with just insecurities and anxieties. There are a lot of sexually uptight people walking around simply because they are not comfortable with the thoughts that go on between their two ears. So how in the world can they get comfortable with what's going on between their thighs? If they aren't comfortable, comfortable. Right. If they're not comfortable with what's going on in their brain.
0: Right. Well, the, that's the thing. I, uh, she also made the comment in it of the fantasy is always politically incorrect. Mm-hmm. It, it, it's, it doesn't follow a script and it doesn't it follow social niceties <laughs> a lot of times.
1: Right. And people don't need to feel guilty that their fantasies may not always include their spouse because we don't fantasize about what we already have. We don't fantasize about Disney World when we're at Disney World. We don't fantasize about eating cheesecake when we're eating cheesecake. It's human nature. See, there we, you go
0: again. I'm just wanting cheesecake at, at Disney World.
1: <laughs> we 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 have to understand that a thought is just a thought, right? If I've, I mean, I've thought, you know, I have thought about winning the HGTV Dream Home and having that hundred thousand dollars. <laughs> I have even registered for it over and over and over again. And I guess by the time this show airs, I can declare that I didn't win it because I have no it. doubt that I won. Right. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, you know, the, the fantasy of having nicer things or more sure. money is, you know, and you know, yeah, the thought of robbing a bank has probably crossed most people's mind, but they just know better. They would never right. do that. But to go into a police station and say, put me in a cell. I thought about robbing a bank. They would take you to a cell all right, a padded cell in a mental institution because <laughs> it's crazy to think that just because I had the thought I'm guilty. Right. So let's just let go of the guilt. I just feel like the biggest gift that people can give themselves is let go of the guilt. And if it's guilt about something that you actually did wrong, there actually was an error, you know, committed a, right. a sin against someone right. or whatever, forgive yourself, forgive them for any part that they had in it and move on. Stop well, letting it hold you in that prison cell and,
0: and bring it up too, that. Cause maybe your, your wife or your husband doesn't know the level that you're carrying over what you did together because it could be I still feel guilty about what what all we did I still feel guilty and they don't even know and so bringing them in you might actually find you have an ally there of like oh I do too I can't believe you know and now all of a sudden you can heal it, help help in the healing process for each other rather than feeling like I'm all alone in this
1: yeah and all you got to do is pray a simple prayer God forgive us and help us feel forgiven and then let it go because God is not he does not withhold forgiveness from those who ask yeah You don't have to wait for some sort of special miracle to set you free. You are free. Because what Jesus did on the cross for you, you're free.
0: Very good. Well, thanks for taking some time out with us, wherever you are, whatever you've been doing. I hope to see you next time.
1: Yep. We love you for listening. If you've benefited from this podcast, consider becoming a member of the Bed Buddy Club. Your financial support will help take Sexy Marriage Radio to the next level and enable Corey and Shannon to strengthen many other couples. Learn more at sexymarriageradio.com by clicking on the purple button.